Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. the show we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling whatever show movie song or tech we just can't get out of our heads in addition to those picks this week we'll be talking about the royal wedding between prince harry and Meghan markle yes very exciting but before we get started with all that let's introduce ourselves and when we do let's answer the question what's your favorite wedding song i'm lucas Wright, a designer from chicago and I think it's the wedding song thing is hard. I feel like there's the good songs that like bring everybody out to the dance floor, um, which I feel like right now, like Uptown Funk, I've been to a couple weddings recently and that song, everybody's on the dance floor at that point. Um, But I think my favorite wedding song is like a song to close out the night. Like Don't Stop Believing. I feel like I feel like it's super cheesy, but I feel like that song is killer at a wedding. I think those are great choices. I love a good classic dancey everybody sings along everyone gets wild kind of wedding song yeah um i'm sandra Amstetz. i'm a social media manager in nashville tennessee and i'm gonna go a little bit more classic romantic wedding song Ooh. and i'm gonna say can't help falling in love um mm. actually preferably a cover of it the elvis version is obviously wonderful but there's so many beautiful renditions of that song that i think can um, add a little variety to your, to your wedding while still staying classic. Totally, totally. Um, my personal favorite rendition of it is the one from the Elvis musical, um, All Shook Up. They do... Wow, rend- really? Yeah, I love the way that rendition of Can't Help Falling in Love sounds. I think it's so beautiful. Okay, I'll check that out. Second favorite is Ingrid Michaelson. So Yes. <laughs> check those out. <laughs> Lucas... What are you feeling this week? Slate just started doing a new podcast called Lend Me Your Ears, and it's going to be like a monthly podcast about Shakespeare and politics. Um, It's going to kind of cover basically one work of Shakespeare and how that um, dealt with politics in its day and how that affects us today. So the first episode is actually about Julius Caesar. So if you don't know... um, Last year's Shakespeare in the Park put on a production of Shakespeare with Donald Trump, with a Donald Trump lookalike, basically, in the Julius Caesar role. Obviously, in Julius Caesar, spoiler alert, he gets killed, and <laughs> that really set a lot of people off. And basically, this first episode just explores, you know, what is this play actually about? What does it feel, what does it feel like to put it in a modern-day context? Um, and stuff like that, which I thought was really, really interesting, um, because I, I do love Shakespeare. For me, it's very hard to get into... Um, I think the depths of Shakespeare, just because of how obtuse some of the writing is um, and some of the storytelling is. But I'm really excited to to kind of go through this podcast series with them um, and kind of check out some some deeper the deeper sides of of Shakespeare and politics. That is very cool. If they ever did one that was Shakespeare and rom coms, I would happily <laughs> listen. 
I will let you know if anything like that comes up. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> but no um, problem. That's if, you, a- um, if you or anyone else is more interested in hearing about that production where it was sort of like alluding to Donald Trump, um, yes. Corey Stoll was an actor in that production, and he wrote a really cool piece for Vulture about what it was like to be in that production and to have protesters at your performances and um, kind of what all the controversy that performance stood up. Nice. Yeah. 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 After listening to the episode, because I remember it happening and I remember thinking that it was kind of dumb. But now I'm just kind of super curious as to how that all went down. So I'll definitely check that out. That's Lend Me Your Ear. It's on all podcast things. Great. (laughs) Well, this week I'm feeling... um, a new feature, a debut feature film from one of my favorite comedians. Um, I'm feeling Bo Burnham's directorial debut, Eighth Grade. Um, I got to see an, this film at the National Film Festival. It comes out, I believe, July 13th. Um, and this was, as if anyone listened to our top 10 episode from earlier this year, this is my most anticipated movie of 2018. Um, so I was really, really excited to get to see it, um, before it officially came out and I fell in love with it. Um, I've been on a kick recently of seeing really good movies about teenage girls and what it's like to be a teenage girl. And this one was possibly one of the most painful of all of those. Now, don't get me wrong. Bo Burnham is an amazingly funny person, and this movie has a lot of great laughs in it. Um, But one of my favorite things about Bo Burnham is that his comedy is so directly influenced by um, what is the pain of just being a human? Um, What are major goals in life? What, What makes people happy? What makes people scared and insecure? And... All of those things are distilled in this movie. For anyone who hasn't seen the trailer, it's about um, an eighth grade girl named Kayla who's finishing up um, her last year in middle school. And it's simply just about what is it like to be an eighth grade girl and what is it like to be an eighth grade girl in 2018 or 2017 when it was shot. It deals with teenagers or preteens living in this social media age. It deals with um, self-esteem and it deals with the weird, weird place you are with your parents at that age and how painful it is just to kind of exist as a person. Um, I was so swept away by this movie and I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, One of my favorite experiences with this movie was that when I sat down in the theater there was a very talkative kind of like college age bro that sat down next to me. And I kind of rolled my eyes and (laughs) was like really annoyed that I had to experience this movie. I was so excited about next to someone who would provide me a less than ideal movie going experience. And (laughs) um, by the end of the movie, he and I were like both crying very hard at the same scene and it I felt so united in that moment and like my faith in humanity was restored (laughs) that like we all had come together through this art um I'm so excited for so many people to see it and I really hope that it becomes a huge hit this year yeah I am really really pumped to watch this movie I feel like 
like I, I love Bo Burnham. He's an amazing comedian. And it looks like this, like just based on the trailer, this movie looks like it will tear your heart out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, directorial debuts are always so interesting. And the writing and in this one, you know, and he wrote this movie as well, is just amazing. Like he, I've always been a huge fan of his and I think he's a genius. And this movie, I think, proves to us that he's he his comedic work and his one man shows have always been enough for me because I think they're so special. Mm-hmm. But this movie proves that he is more than just that, that he it can really hold his own in like this industry. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, a quote from him. Uh, when he was talking about making this movie, the main character has kind of a YouTube channel that she makes um, these videos where she talks about um, what it's like to be confident, how to make friends, think, you know, she's giving advice for things. And he said that, you know, he kind of uh, rose to fame on YouTube and he spent lots of time exploring the way teenagers with YouTube accounts work and, and, and create content and he said, one thing I kept noticing was that te- like teenage boys tend to talk about Xbox and teenage girls tended to talk about their souls and, <laughs> and kind of how that influenced his decision to make his protagonist, this teenage girl, um, which I, I really found charming. Um, another thing that I found really charming from one interview that both the two of them, him and his lead actress did, um, was that. This was fil- this movie was filmed between in the summer between her eighth grade and ninth grade year, um, so she's mm. truly yeah. experiencing all the same things that her character is experiencing, or at least is in that same age range of experiences. Right. And um, he t- the crazy so the, it goes without saying that she's the lead actress is marvelous in this movie. Um, it's going to be a huge career making movie for her. I think she's incredible. And, but you know, the movie wasn't out yet when she went, got into high school and, um, she gets into high school and auditions for the high school play that apparently had just tons of parts. Like it was a huge production. (laughs) She signed up for theater class and she didn't get a single part. No. And, oh, man. And Bo Burnham is delighted to tell this story on this press <laughs> tour because he sees how ironically hilarious it is that this girl is about to be a huge player in our industry <laughs> and still has to go through the idea of not getting a part in the high school play. That's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I really, really hope everyone goes sees goes to see this movie in July. I hope it becomes a big hit. I don't think it would have any Oscar buzz, um, but I would love if it did. You know, I would love if it became something like Get Out or Lady Bird that really surprised us with how much people fall in love with it. That's awesome. Yeah, my my wife doesn't want to see it. She said the trailer gave her PTSD flashbacks from being in eighth grade, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I am so pumped about this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a beautiful movie. There's a lot of pain in it. Um, but yeah, that's what it seems like <laughs> there is, but it's pain that like we can all handle because we right. were all eighth graders. Right. And um, eighth grade was mostly pain. I feel like, so. yeah. <laughs> and let me say it is a, it has 
It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. I think she should see it. <laughs> that's that's going to be my I mean, my vote. she's definitely going to end up seeing it for yeah. sure. But <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Are you ready, Lucas, to talk about the royal wedding? Let's do it. We aren't caught up in your love affair. And we'll never be royal. It's a one in our blood. That kind of love's just aimed for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. You can call me queen. For some context, Lucas, kind of can you explain to people your history and uh, relationship to the royal family? Yeah. Um, I am the great nephew of Her Majesty <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, so super involved in everything. Right. Um, now, I, for, I, it, it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense at all. I've just been fascinated with monarchies and royalty and how that works. Um, I mean, as an American, like, obviously that's not something that we deal with at all. So it's just, to me, it's a whole new subject to, to explore and figure out how people <laughs> deal with it and what they think about it and stuff like that. Right. So really, honestly, over the last like 10 years, it's, I did a study abroad in Oxford. I feel so weird saying I did, I did a study abroad in Oxford. <laughs> but, but, but you did. I did do a study abroad, and honestly, ever said like being there and seeing, you know, how people, how much the crown doesn't affect people's lives, and then how much it does, um, I thought was really interesting to me. And a lot of people feel like it's a almost like a their own personal reality reality TV show that they get to be a part of and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't affect their lives, but it's super engaging, and people have a lot of fun with it. And then some people take it really seriously as, as you know, if it does actually have an impact on them and kind of it, as if it is politics. Um, so I just love following it and seeing how people react to it and how people feel about it. Um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> have absolutely no qualifications to talk about it. I just love it. Okay. That's more, that's exciting to hear because I have <laughs> no qualifications to talk about it, and yet I will. <laughs> no one really does, So, but sure. we all do. <laughs> sure. So, um, so Lucas, did you watch the Royal Wedding live? Did you wake up early for it? I did. Um, be, I, having recently moved to Central Time, it felt like a luxury to only get up at 5.30 right. to, to watch this thing, which is amazing, because if I'd still been on the West Coast, I would have had to get up way earlier than yeah. that. Yeah. I um, heard some girls on a podcast that live on the West Coast talking about how oh. it would be at 2 a.m., and so they're trying to yeah. decide, you know, do, do you, you just stay, stay up, up or, or do you take a disco nap? And yeah. Yeah. So it was great. Um, but I, yeah, me and my wife got up early. We made tea. Um, I had some Biscoff cookies. It was fantastic. <laughs> now tell me what a Biscoff um, cookie is. A uh, Biscoff cookie. Sometimes they they make they give them to you on planes. Um, they're like a like a gingerbread cookie. Okay. Um, they're they're British. Okay, I don't know. Great. <laughs> great. And so yeah. now, what was your mood vibe? Going into this wedding, the months leading up to it, how are you feeling about? Do you usually watch? Did you watch like William and Kate? Um, is this something that you're into, or was you know? Tell me, I, like, your I am experience. in. I am into it. I did not watch William and Kate's. Um, I forget the reason. I I was I followed it for sure, and I followed the birth of all their kids and everything like that. But for some reason, I didn't end up watching that wedding. Um, but yeah, for the for this one, I especially with all the drama surrounding her um, 
her family, you know, coming to the wedding and that kind of stuff. Um, I've been kind of really following that closely. And I, I was very not on board for this wedding when it first got announced, when they first got engaged. Um, but over the last, what is it? Has it, it's been a year since they got engaged. I have really come around to it and I'm really a fan and I'm really excited about them. I feel like they, they have made already just with this wedding have made a lot of changes, um, to the way Royal Weddings go the way a lot of people perceive the royal family. Um, and I think that's good. I think that's, those are good changes. Okay. So tell me about like your hesitancy about them as a couple when you first, when they first got engaged. Okay. One, Harry's a hothead. Um, he's okay. super emotional. He's so you don't super... like, do you not like Harry or you're just concerned about I'm him? I'm just concerned about him. Okay. I don't, I like, I, it's not that I dislike him. I, I, I think she's, I think she's great. I just didn't feel like this was... <laughs> I don't know, the right move, but yeah. honestly, over over the time, you get to see them kind of grow together and get to see, um, they talk more about like what their plans are and, you know, they're planning on having kids immediately and um, kind of the philanthropy work that they're planning on doing and stuff like that. Um, and you can see that like this is something that they're not just jumping into. This is, I feel like, in a, like a parent when I'm talking about it, <laughs> yeah. but, but um, just that like they've, they have great ideas moving forward and they're excited about kind of fulfilling those. Yeah. So, so there's a podcast that I listen to that's all about like celebrity gossip. And, um, so this, the two of them has been a fixture of that podcast. And recently they did a whole Royal wedding episode and the two hosts and this, the podcast is called jam session. If case anyone's interested, they talked about some pieces of gossip about Harry that I thought were interesting. And you know, this is me repeating a rumor after a rumor, you know, here we go. Um, the idea that like when Harry and William were dating, William had a lot of girls very interested in him and looking at him as like marriage material. And, um, Harry's girlfriends often were like, uh, I like you, but this isn't going to become anything serious because they were very aware of what marrying into the Royal family like would entail. And the host talked about how that really speaks highly of Harry and the type of women he's interested in that he seems to be interested in women who have kind of a sensible head on their shoulders that like really understand the gravitas of what marrying into the Royal family is. Yeah, it's true. Um, and how, you know, that speaks highly of probably Megan as well. Um, they made some predictions about how long they think that this marriage is going to last. Um, <laughs> they're, they're like ruthless. Um, wow. Okay. They, they think that while they're very excited and happy for the couple, they are betting about seven years. Um, because they just think it's kind of a rushed thing, not because of, you know, Megan or Harry as people, but more just kind of the idea that it's rushed and it is rushed. And yeah. Being a part of the Royal family is hard. And a lot of them end a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing to be put in perspective. I, I can be, but depending on the, my day, I can be very pessimistic or I can also be very idealistic. <laughs> and when it comes to like, public marriages i'm often so idealistic and i'm like well they did it in public of course it's gonna last Ooh, <laughs> and, see i'm the opposite <laughs> right exactly and so like 
I had a very idealistic view of William and Kate because that's what the media like wants you to have. And that's especially what the Royal family wants you to have. And Mm -hmm. from listening to these gossip podcasts, I've learned like, Oh, William might be kind of a cheater and their, their (laughs) marriage might not be as like sparkly as, I once thought. Um, Yeah. Have you not watched The Crown? (laughs) It all goes down. I know, Lucas. This is giving me a lot of great perspective. I just started season two of The Crown yesterday. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm I'm very excited. I'm really into it. Now, you know, the Royal Wedding weekend has got me back into the mood. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so season two, I'm like, I'm very excited to get done. Um, I'm I'm ready for season three when Charles becomes a part of this and Camilla and, you know, I know that they won't be the main characters or anything, but I'm very, Charles and Camilla, I think are fascinating. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we could do a whole episode on that, but let's get back to Harry and Meghan. Um, so you were reticent because of Harry's kind of like, uh, passion and, you know, tumultuous yeah, nature. Exactly. Um, and, and again, this being kind of a rushed thing, um, I was just like, I don't know if this is like, has everybody thought this through? Is this, yeah. <laughs> is this something that everybody understands what's going into? Yeah. But, it, but it really does feel that way. And again, I don't think it's going to last forever sure. um, because it's them. But yeah. I, I still think it's a good idea. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I was very excited going into this wedding because... Uh, because of Megan, you know, I didn't really care that much about Prince and Kate's wedding or mm-hmm. William and Kate's wedding. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to see the dress. That was pretty much it. I was like, Oh, the dress, there it is. You know? Um, but with this one, I was very excited because I think from every interview I've heard of her, I think she's just really very charming and intelligent and really lovely, but also honestly, just the simple concept of a member of the royal family marrying an American actress, I think is just juicy and fun. You know, um, someone who's been in the public eye, who is American, who is biracial. I was really excited for just like how big of a deal this all was. And also the fact that like, again, her being American was a big deal for me. You know, that the, the idea that, all of both of our countries could be like so excited about this wedding. Um, I think it's a fun pop culture event. So I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, I definitely think it's like, I mean, it's a dream come true scenario for for everyone. Just like for if you media, could grow up and yeah. marry a prince, like like oh, any yeah. literally anybody can just marry the British prince. So right. Right. it can happen. Which is, I I think it's 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 fun to think about, and it's it's also neat that we now have something like tying us to the royal family again yeah um is we like the, like you said like this is something that both sides of of the pond could get excited about right so. one of my favorite tweets from the morning from the wedding morning was um this wedding is so important because it gives young white boys all around the world hope that someday they can marry someone like Meghan Markle <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah and it's so true because uh, she, I mean, the bride is often the star, but she really is a star. Like, she, I can't take my eyes yeah. off her. Someone point, on Twitter pointed out recently, she kind of looks like Julia Roberts. Have you noticed She that? does. She yeah. does. She definitely does. <laughs> I mean, and I'm obsessed with Julia Roberts, so that really makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so 
before the wedding happened, Lucas, you and I were texting, and I remember you getting into some of, like, the behind-the-scenes details about when this wedding was happening and kind of the controversies behind that. Please elaborate on that. Oh, oh, geez. Yeah, so the date of the wedding fell on the same day as the British Open, which usually the, the Prince of Cambridge, William, um, is supposed to give the trophy at that. Well, they scheduled the wedding for the same day, so pretty late in the game, I feel like, is when it came up that, that Prince William wasn't going to be, um, obviously, at the tennis match to give the trophy. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that that stirred up a lot about in the, in the tennis community, which I'm very much not a part of, <laughs> but, but of just people being like, you know, hey, why, you know, why are you throwing off all of the traditions? Why are you kind of okay. moving things aside for this wedding? Which I really feel like they did in a lot of other ways with this wedding, too. There are a lot of, like, kind of stuffy traditions that they kind of set aside and did some new things, okay. which I think is a lot of fun okay. and I think really worked out well. Well, let's get to the wedding and tell me about, like, those traditions that you think that they, you know, messed around with. So I think, obviously, the most common one is the the vows. The I will obey is part of the vows that have been said for generations, whatever. Oh. Um, fi- yeah, it's it, and that was actually a part of the crown yeah, as to whether whether she would say that or not, and she did choose to say it. Um, Kate did not say them either. Did not say okay. will obey, um, and that was kind of controversial. Um, and then Megan also chose not to say will obey. Yeah. Um, and I I th- I think obviously that's a great idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. But I I think that's something that is. More difficult for an American to come in. Not, I'm not going to say an American nobody, but I feel like Kate is more um, has more of a handle on what is is and is not acceptable in that kind of situation, mm-hmm. and I think has had probably had a little more control over kind of I don't know how people perceived that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Megan to come in and basically say, "Yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna do the vows that way," um, is kind of gutsy. So yeah. We're, we'll get to this later, but I, there was I watched the Lifetime movie about Harry and Meghan. Oh my goodness! Uh, which we will talk <laughs> about. But uh, a big part of that movie was projecting Meghan Markle as a very strong, smart, independent woman that um, will, you know, it's her way when she needs it to be, you know, and like. Um, and in in an appropriate way, but still in a way that like a lot of British. You know, palace people yeah, were yeah. very, you know, alarmed by. She's very like she's an, she's an actress. Like she's very used to not being able to control a scene, but being able to, um, you know, have some say in things and having kind of power to, um, kind of be presented in her own way. Yeah, and I think that's super important in a marriage like this. And I also think that planning a wedding, I think, really, <laughs> I think, showed a lot of the country who she plans on being, which yeah. is cool. So were there any other traditional things that you noticed were a little bit different? Uh, yeah, they got married at St. George's Chapel, um, which is not some place that people normally get married at. <laughs> um, when, and it allows for a smaller um, invite list as well, um, which yeah. I think is really cool. So because, yeah, because they got married there, they couldn't invite as many people as I think normally. It's like Will and Kate's wedding had I think like twice as many people, something Whoa, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was huge. Um, and so this kind of really changed up the scenery as well as um, kind of put that cap on it, which I think is interesting. I'm I'm curious, like f- f- for you, who 
of of that guest list, who surprised you? <laughs> who surprised me? I think, you know, I think one thing that's interesting for me was like trying to figure out like were these people invited because they are friends of Harry and Meghan or just because they're celebrities, you know? Right, so right. So for instance, like Serena Williams and Meghan Markle are close friends. Yeah. And so um, that was that made a lot of sense. Serena Williams got a lot of camera time on the, the feed that I watched. Um, and I think one that surprised me that, again, I'm trying to decide, is it... Is it because she's a celebrity? Is she friends? Was um, Carrie Mulligan? Carrie Mulligan and her husband were there, and again, her, her I, husband, Mister Mumford. Yes, yes. <laughs> and again, I'm basing my surprise mostly on like how much camera time that she got in the yeah way. yeah so yeah. She got a lot. <laughs> the 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 celebrities that I felt like I just kept seeing over and over and over were Serena Williams, um, Carrie Mulligan. Tom Hardy and David Beckham. Yep. And yeah. And and it, that's such an interesting bunch. Like, oh, and George Clooney. He didn't get quite as much camera time, but yeah, we definitely saw him in a mall. Um but for me it's just like of all the celebrities to have at your wedding and then to focus the cameras on. Serena makes a lot of sense to me. So does David Beckham. But mm-hmm. for Tom Hardy and Carrie Mulligan, I'm just <laughs> I was like are these really the British celebrities that either Harry is close to or that the British people care about, you know, I, I was trying to right. wrap my head around that. Or is Megan friends with them? I mean, on the actor side, like, is you that know, something I that she knows? That, but Megan is not the level of actress where she's working with Tom Hardy. She's not working, but I could also see her just end up being friends with famous people, it's <laughs> like possible. people on a higher tier than her. It's totally possible. Um, yeah. David Beckham make a lot made a lot of sense to me. Um, <laughs> he seems like somebody that just gets invited to all yeah, the royal things. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He's just beloved. Um, yeah. yeah, and I and I really really loved seeing Serena at the wedding. Um, I, I was surprised that I didn't see of any more celebrities than those four. Um, Idris Elba was there. Oh, I didn't I see him. Um, but really, that's it. There weren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a very celebrity filled wedding, which I I honestly think like only having. What is it like six hundred people there? Which still sounds huge. Yeah. But only how, having six hundred people there, I think, really cuts down on. I think Oprah the was there also. You oh, you're right. Oprah was there, which we did not see at all. Like they did not cut to her. Right, but we did all. see photos of her mm-hmm. at the wedding. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. And and we didn't see during the wedding, but I believe most of the suits cast was there. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. I've never watched Suits, so I don't even know who's in that show, but it would make sense that they're... I I know who's in it, but I've never watched it, but I've heard it's actually pretty good. Um, Maybe one day I'll I'll give it a run. Um, (laughs) So, Lucas, what was your favorite part of the wedding? Um, I think for me, like, the, um, the Episcopalian priest was awesome. Like, his speech, I feel like, um, was, I think Linda Holmes said something like this on Twitter, but being able to... Like, this is such, like, a high event. Like Michael a, Curry. Bishop Michael Curry. Bishop Michael Curry. There we go. Um, yeah, this is such, like, a, I don't know, just, like, a lofty event. And having it be able to tie into real life and the real people and, like, this is, you know, tying it into love and the love for the world I think is really important in an event like this, that you're spending lots of money on a 
kind of out of date <laughs> um, kind of uh, hierarchy here. Right. Um, it's 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 good to kind of ground that, um, which I thought he did really well. Um, I thought people's reaction to it was awesome. People were <laughs> really into it on Twitter. Um, I don't know how people reacted to it in the actual ceremony, but <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really neat. Well, and from what I've heard, he's like a super progressive um, member yeah. of the church. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think like you said, like the money and the fame aspect of this wedding is fun, but it's also like can stir up a lot of um like moral quandaries, you know, like, mm-hmm. are we, why are we all spending this kind of money on an event? And why do these people have this amount of money and power when other people don't? And, right. um, and for a man of the church to use this moment to say, you know, yes, there might be like issues with this. He didn't say this specifically, but you know, to take a hold of that opportunity as a grander moment for, love and compassion and, and, um, like social justice, I think was really smart of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, to use that opportunity where like most of the world is watching to, to give that message, I thought was really beautiful. Um, my favorite, I thought that part of the wedding was amazing. My favorite part of the wedding was the way, um, when we were looking at Megan, um, while she was standing at the altar, um, the shot was framed so that Mm. we got to see her mother right above her shoulder. Yeah. And watching Megan Markle's mom throughout this wedding made me so (laughs) emotional. Oh yeah. She was, she was great. (laughs) She was just, you could see how emotional she was. Um, she looked wonderful knowing their story, knowing that she kind of raised Megan as a single mom and, Wedding days are really special for parents, you know, no matter who they're, who you're marrying or what the circumstances are, but to see your child so gracefully withstand the pressure of a Royal wedding and to see them be thrust into this spotlight and know what this like life is headed for her and to, to be there with her on that day. I was I was just really living the day through Meghan Markle's mom's eyes. And uh, I thought that was, it was just really beautiful to see her there. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I mean, it's so predictable, but the choir singing stand by me, I thought was just like so Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) It was entertaining and beautiful and loving. And, um, it's one of those things where it's like so much of the, 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 the ceremony was, orchestral music and that like one woman singer just like singing notes and not really words and it was just (laughs) just like a lot and then finally it was like finally you get like a melody and and songs that I know the words to like a very classic American in that way (laughs) but I did appreciate it a lot um yeah I thought it was so beautiful I thought they seemed really happy and beautiful um, mm-hmm. The two of them together, the looks that they were giving each other, Harry really just seems so taken with her as he should be. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from that Lifetime movie that I did watch, which was truly awful, but it had, <laughs> had a few moments, was there's a moment where, so Harry and Megan were set up by a friend and we don't really know who mm-hmm. the friend was. So 
in the movie, it's just some woman that knows them both. And we don't really, she never really gets a name. At one moment, this woman and Harry are on a red carpet together. And um, she's like, I have this girl for you. I think you'll, you'll really like her. And he's like, oh, is she beautiful? And she kind of just gives him a look. She's like, if you weren't a prince, you wouldn't have a chance. (laughs) And, And I, and I, I'd like to believe that that isn't true, but I also like to put their relationship into this, that perspective. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And so I, I had a blast. Um, I ended up not getting to watch it live. I was in a cabin with no TV or cell reception. And so uh, I ended up watching it when I got home um, on NPR's like feed that they had on their website which actually mm. ended up being great, Lucas, because they had a 15-second fast-forward button. So <laughs> whenever it was just, like, shots of the crowd or, like, you know, shots of a car driving through a crowd and you don't even get to see who's in the car, I was like, I'm, I'm not watching this all the way through, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, where did you end up watching it? What channel are I watched on BBC America. Okay, gotcha. Um, so I got the, the British commentary, not yeah. the American. So, um, so the NPR feed that I was watching, there was no commentary, which I think oh. I could have enjoyed all those like crowd shots more if there was some commentary yes. giving me some information and history and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I it was really neat to get that kind of stuff. Also, like during like the singing or like the watching the cellist play where it's just him playing for a couple minutes. Right. Um, it was good to have that commentary. Yeah. It was really neat. I'm just going to so. say that I loved her dress. I thought her dress was really, oh, yeah. really beautiful. Both dresses. Uh, Both dresses. Oh, see, I, was there a second dress? I think I only saw the main one. Yeah, so after the wedding, she came back and changed for the reception. Was it like a halter reception. kind of top? Yes. 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 Okay, I, th- I might have seen a picture of that. Um, I thought the veil, the veil was my favorite part. I loved how that 15-foot veil. You know, people were talking about the dress before and saying, like, you know, was, was there going to be a train? Was And my thing is, like, if you're going to have a royal wedding, you got to take advantage of the drama of, like, a huge veil or train. Like, otherwise, you're just wasting our, our time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have something for those page boys to carry. <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, most brides can't get away with something that huge because no, yeah. we don't have the resources. But you can, so you must. This is my my Take philosophy. one for the team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lucas, I'm glad that we got to watch this. I'm glad that, you know, we get to experience things like Royal Weddings still. Um, We will be back in two weeks to talk about Solo, right? Yes. All right. Solo, the movie that's already all over the internet. (laughs) In reactions, you mean? Yes. People are already talking about it, and I'm annoyed. Oh, yeah, it happens. Don't talk about movies before they're out. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thanks for listening. If you want to tell us about your favorite royal wedding moment um, or anything else, you can talk. You can find us on Twitter at Feeling It Pod, and you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at Lucas and Stuff. Um, right now, I'm in Seattle, so I'll be tweeting about all the movies I'm watching in Seattle right now. Fun! I can't wait to hear about that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.
Lifetime original movie, Lucas? <sighs> the only one that I watched was the one with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Okay. Um, which was a joke. Right. So. Right. So, yeah, I haven't watched a serious was one. Was it <laughs> Kristen Wiig, though, and, and Will Ferrell? Or, yeah, sorry, Kristen Wiig okay, and great. Will Ferrell, not um, Amy Poehler. Yeah, so they're notoriously very bad. They're shot and cr- uh, something like this would be shot so quickly. Um, I just wanted to go over a few of like the most ridiculous things in it. In it, um, the one thing that drove me the most crazy was that I don't think they cast almost any British actors to play the royal family. Oh my gosh! So the closest they had, who was. The guy who played Prince Harry, who was pretty good, um, he was Scottish. So he his British accent was fine. Um, but the rest, uh, or English accent, I should say, um, was fine. The rest of the royal family were all played by... Um, Prince William was played by an Australian actor. Um, Prince Charles and I think Camilla were played by... American actors. Um, I don't know who, who played the queen, um, whether she was British or not. Um, but the worst of the bunch was the actress who played Kate Middleton was Canadian <laughs> and her British accent was like high school theater production bad. Um, and so that was very hard to stomach. Um, so that was the, the most distracting moment of the whole movie. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of scenes of Megan, um, like uh, on the set of suits, um, her showing that like she is a strong kind of feminist woman and being mm-hmm. like. Actually, I don't think she would say this. Or actually, I don't, you know, like talking to the director, like while shooting a scene and like having problems with the script. Oh my gosh. Um, there was a lot of scenes where um, Megan would be meeting like stuffy, um, like snotty British ladies um, who were like <laughs> Kate Middleton's friends who would like give her a hard time about like, um, not being up like an, an English, like upper class woman, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm trying this to sounds very difficult to watch. It was, <laughs> it was also kind of fun. Oh, Lucas, this is the best part. Okay. So the movie opens in Botswana. Um, it, Harry is a young boy and Charles has brought William and Harry's young boys after Diana's funeral to Botswana to like get away from it all. And um, they're out, like, in the plains or whatever, and Harry kind of wanders off on his own, and he runs into, like, he is very standing close by a lion, okay? And it's just, like, him and a lion, like, staring at each other. And it's, like, this big moment. And Charles goes to, like, finds Harry and goes to shoot the lion, but then Harry moves the gun out of the way so that Charles doesn't shoot the lion. Oh, my goodness. And the lion walks away. Okay? All right. So then, later on, when Harry and Meghan are, like, getting close and talking about his mom, he talks about how, like, 
he kind of like wondered if like the lion was Diana, you know, because it was like right after the funeral. All right. So keep that in mind. So then Megan and Harry go through like a three parter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Megan and Harry go through all these like fights and dramas about like whether they would be a good couple or not. Um, There's a big moment where Harry puts out a statement defending like to the press, which is, which was what was real. Um, saying, like, he's disappointed in the way the press has been treating her and how, like, he couldn't protect her. And she gets mad at him because, like, she doesn't need protecting. She's an independent woman. And and they get into a big fight about that. And then Megan's mom is like, Megan, don't you know that, like, his mom died because of the paparazzi? It's, like, protecting people he loves from the paparazzi is really important to him and you shouldn't have gotten mad at him. Megan chases him down in an airport and catches him on his private plane. Um, oh my gosh. They reunite and then they fly to Botswana again because that's their like special place. No. Yeah. No. Because when well, Harry took Megan to Botswana like on a date, like that was a real thing. Um, so they fly to Botswana again. And while they're there, they sort of get into another mini argument because she's like, open up to me about Diana. And I know that this is all like very hard for you. And he's like, everyone thinks they know her. They didn't know her. You know, and he's, and he's really angry and he storms out of the tent. And then he sees a lion and Megan comes out and they both see a lion standing outside their tent, which must have been Diana. I'm cutting all of this out. <laughs> it was it was really Ugh. very heavy-handed. Um, yeah, that's so gross. Yeah. Oh, you, Lucas, <laughs> there's one last thing I need to tell you about this because yes. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> um, it was definitely it definitely took me by surprise. It's this moment towards the end of the movie. Okay, and. Megan and Harry have gotten engaged. They're a happy couple now. And they're going to... She's going to meet the queen for the first time. And to get the queen's approval for them to get married. And she goes and um, she's very nervous. And she meets the queen. And the queen is very nice. She makes a joke about the crown. She's like, you you didn't star in that show The Crown, did you? And Megan's like, no, ma'am. And she goes, oh, I just don't know why they couldn't have waited until I died to make that. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, then, and then she takes Harry and Meghan to, like, look at a bunch of portraits of, like, royal family members. Okay? And then she shows them a portrait of Queen Charlotte. Now, are you familiar with Queen Charlotte, Lucas? Yes. Okay. Are you familiar with this painting of Queen Charlotte? Um, I don't think so. Okay. There's like wait, a Wait, the, the the portrait? Yes. There's apparently like a very famous portrait of her. And then she says, she says to Megan and Harry, she shows it to them. She goes, "I've always this I'm reading a quote, okay? I've always loved this painting of our ancestor, Queen Charlotte, because the painter, Ramsay, didn't try to hide her African heritage. Oh, yes. And then she says to Harry, and, and Prince Harry, Harry and Meghan look like a little surprised, okay? And then she goes, and then she says to Harry, oh, yes, you're of mixed race, Harry. So am I. Many of her portraits tried to hide that fact, but this one is the most authentic. 
And then she goes about how, like, why she likes that portrait because it's the most authentic. And how the two of them are authentic. And, of course, she, like, gives her blessing. And... (laughs) And I just, I'm, like, very... I don't know what to make of that. I think it's a little strange, the uh, the implication that, like, she and... To call she and Harry quote-unquote mixed race i think it's a little much yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i also appreciate the nod to like former like biracial or multiracial members of the royal family and that like this isn't a new thing um it was it was it was interesting and a lot for a lifetime movie to tackle um, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie, I thought, did... While the movie itself is bad, the rest of the movie did a fairly good job, I think, of bring, like mentioning the importance of Meghan Markle's like race, but not overemphasizing it or not making it the whole movie or their whole story. Yeah. Um, yeah. It did bring up that, like, um, one awful royal family member that wore that, like, racist the brooch. brooch. Yeah. yeah. They they included a scene with her in the in the movie and you know all of Harry's family like stands up for Megan and you know it's it's very cheesy but How you long know, is this movie? Like it has commercials, so probably like two and a half hours with commercials. Jeez. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I actually had fun watching it because oh Here's my final thing I'll say about it is that Megan, the actress that played Megan is like an actually very good actress who happens to look like a spitting image of Meghan Markle, uh, especially when she's like styled like her. Um, And she was definitely very good in this movie. Like the movie itself was not good, but she was great and it was fun to watch her and it was fun how much she looked like Meghan Markle. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the most painful thing in the world. I but... would have given so much money to be able to watch it with you in the room. Mm. I would have I would have cried the entire I time. I would have loved to see your reactions to everything. It would be side-eye constantly. <laughs> yeah, that's why it would have been so fun. Um, 